Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Hey, Drew Scott here, and I'm Jonathan Scott, reminding you that life's better with a home policy from American Family Insurance. They can help you get just the right protection at just the right price and help you save when you bundle home and auto. Kind of like Goldilocks and the Three Bears. It'll be just right for you. We love a custom build. American Family Insurance. Insure carefully. Dream fearlessly. Get a quote and find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball. From growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. America's two great pastimes collide on this podcast. It is baseball and making money from the dog days of summer through the October Classic. Greg Faces Peterson's going to be free swinging at the betting board as he tries to hit a grand slam for your bankroll. Now here is GP. Hello, everyone. A tremendous Wednesday to one and all. Greg Peterson broadcasting. From the Zuni Tequila Studios out here in wonderful Las Vegas, it is MLB Overtime Betting, and we do have a great show for you. Hakeem Prophet, he works for SBR, a.k.a. Sportsbook Review. He's going to be joining me in the second segment. We're going to talk a little bit about baseball trends in general. We're going to talk about today's slate. It's going to be a lot of fun. In the final segment, I give you a side and total on every game on the Las Vegas betting board and a little something I like to call touch them all. Typically, this is a part of the podcast where I answer some Twitter questions before I get into looking back at yesterday's results, but I did not get any Twitter questions today. You can always feel free to tweet them in at one. but let's take a look at the results from Tuesday and try to find some trends and become better handicappers from it. What happened yesterday? Let's go around the bases and find out. First things first, we had a suspended game between the Kansas City Royals and the Chicago White Sox that wrapped up. The White Sox won that game by a count of 2-1. to one. We knew that the White Sox bullpen was pretty good. We knew that the Royals bullpen was not so good. It was Ian Kennedy that gave up a run and Alex Colome got the save, but all in all, not a bad performance there. But going to game two that happened between these two teams, the White Sox were able to get a win by a count of 4-3. to three. This did not look good for the White Sox in the beginning as the Royals were able to put up three runs in the first inning. That was all courtesy of Alex Gordon, his ninth home run of the year. And Brad Keller, another decent start for this team. He has had a walks issue all year long, but in six innings, he gives up four runs, all of which were earned. 
And then Brad Boxberger and Willie Peralta wound up pitching some good innings out of the bullpen. That was a little bit unexpected, but Lucas Giolito continues to be a pitcher you can back. Eight innings pitch, gives up three runs, all of which were earned by Dean Ozzie, 285 ERA. And then Mr. Colome gets another save. That is his 10th of the campaign. And the White Sox were able to do it with small ball. 12 total hits in this one, 10 of which were off of Brad Keller. So obviously some good signs out there for the White Sox. Some good signs for the San Diego Padres. As as a pretty big underdog, they were able to knock off the New York Yankees by a count of 5-4. They put up a four spot in the first inning. A lot of that was courtesy of Eric Hosmer. He had a three-run home run in the first inning off of Masahiro Tanaka, his ninth of the year. Eric Lauer, a gentleman that has not necessarily been the best starter for this team so far this year. He had a quality start, five and a third innings. Gives up just one run, lowers his ERA to a 4-4-5. With the San Diego Padres, we know that Craig Salmon and Kirby Yates are nails. Kirby Yates, a 108 ERA, best closer out there in the big leagues in my opinion. But you have to be a little bit cautious of some of the middle relievers for the San Diego Padres. Phil Mayton wound up giving up a run. Brad Weak the same, and Robbie Erland. And for the New York Yankees, they still have a very good offense. Gary Sanchez is 17th home run of the year, but Tanaka got to knock it around in this one. At six innings, he gives up five runs, all of which were earned. That was a 320 ERA, but we also know that for the Yankees, bullpen has been really good. Luis Sessa and Harvey were able to get the job done there. So Padres continue to be trustworthy with the bats. As to the Cincinnati Reds, for the sixth time in the last seven games, they play it over, and they get a win over the Pittsburgh Pirates by a count of 11-7. And it was all about Derek Diedrich, who had not one, not two, but three home runs in this one. His 15th, 16th, and 17th of the year, and Jose Peraza added his fifth of the year. Lucas Sims wound up making his first start of the year for the Cincinnati Reds, and it wasn't great, but it wasn't necessarily bad. He was very good through the first couple innings, and then the Pirates were able to blow him up in the fourth inning. He winds up going seven to third innings. He gives up four runs, all of which were earned, including a home run, but the Cincinnati Reds did not need him to give the best of starts because for the Pittsburgh Pirates, very unfortunate that Jordan Lyles winds up getting knocked out after four innings. He gave up three runs, all of which were earned, but it really did cause a lot of stress and press on the Pittsburgh Pirates bullpen, and they did not respond well to it as giving up seven runs in relief. Jeff Hartley, he now has a ERA of a 15, and we know this about the Pirates. Their bullpen stinks, but what doesn't sink is Kevin Newman. He had his first home run of the year. He now is hitting 333. so obviously that was nice, but all in all, the Reds seem like an over-team as in the, each of the last seven games, no unders, six overs, and a push. The Detroit Tigers, on the other end, they've been playing a lot of unders so far this year, and they played another against the Baltimore Orioles, getting a 3-0 win. Matthew Boyd continues to be nails for this team. He goes six innings. He does not give up a single run. And then a Detroit Tigers bullpen that has been very bad all year long provides three innings of relief, not giving up a single run. And for the Tigers, a team that is a team that is second worst in the MLB in regards to hitting homers, Nico Goodrum provided one for them off of Dylan Bundy, his fourth of the year. And for Bundy, it wasn't an awful start. He goes seven innings. He gives up three runs. Now has a 458 ERA. He's given up too much hard contact. But for the Baltimore Orioles, just six sets in this one. They just weren't able to muster much. So the Detroit Tigers seem to be able to continue to do a decent job whenever Matthew Boyd is on the mound. And a team that's doing a decent job in general is the Philadelphia Phillies. They get a 4-3 win over the St. Louis Cardinals. Things went very well early for the St. Louis Cardinals as Paul Goldschmidt 
and Marcel Ozuna were able to go yard in the first inning off of Nick Pavetta. That was Goldschmidt's 11th home run of the year, and for Ozuna, his 15th. But after that, things really calmed down. Pavetta wound up going five innings, giving up those three runs and two home runs. But now he's a 7-7-1 ERA. That was his first start off the injured list. And then from there, the Philadelphia Phillies goes four innings, not giving up a single run. So bullpen has been nails recently for the Phillies, and the bullpen of the Cardinals has been good as well. Not a whole heck of a lot of it was needed because Adam Wainwright wound up giving a six-inning start. He gave up four runs, all of which were earned, but had 10 punch-outs and just gave up one home run. He has a 4.94 ERA now, and then Greg Gallegos was able to pitch two innings for the team, but for the Philadelphia Phillies, they were able to emerge with those four runs in the third and fourth inning, capped off by a Cesar Hernandez home run, his sixth of the year. So the Phillies just somehow, some way, just keep on finding a way to get the job done. The Indians also found a way to get the job done on Tuesdays. They were down by a count of 5-2 to two going into the ninth inning, and then they hang a five spot on the Boston Red Sox. Blowing the game for the Red Sox was a combination of Ryan Brazier and Travis Lankins giving up five runs out there in the ninth inning, and it really squanders a really good David Price start. He won six innings, gave up just three hits, no earned runs. Now he has a 283 ERA, so he's been doing a very good job for the team, and for the Cleveland Indians, we saw the debut of Zach Plesac. He winds up going five and a third innings despite a rain delay. Gives up just one run, so he was very good there. And then the Cleveland Indians bullpen, which has been solid all year long, wound up giving up four runs. Now for A.J. Cole, both the runs that he gave up were unearned, but Nick Whitgren winds up heightening his ERA to a 2-2-9. But for the Cleveland Indians, they were able to get the job done in the ninth inning thanks to a Roberto Perez home run, his ninth of the year. And Greg Allen, a man that's hitting 106, goes deep for his first home run of the year. So that was very timely for the Cleveland Indians. Speaking of things that are very timely, how about this trend? The Tampa Bay Rays have won every game at home by at least two plus runs, at least the ones that they've won. Obviously, the ones that they've lost, they have not. But with that said, of the 33 wins that the Tampa Bay Rays have had overall, 30 of which have been by two plus runs, and they knock off the Toronto Blue Jays by a count of three to one. For the Tampa Bay Rays, they really didn't need a whole lot of power in this one, but they got two home runs. Avicio Garcia's 10th of the year, and Austin Meadows is 12th. Ryan Stanek provided two innings as the opener, and then Ryan Yarbrough goes three and two-thirds innings. He doesn't give up a single run from there. It wasn't until Diego Castillo in the ninth inning came in that the Rays allowed a single run, and for the Toronto Blue Jays, it was a decent start for Clayton Richard. He goes four innings. He gives up two runs, both of which were earned. And then from there, the bullpen goes four innings and doesn't give up any runs. But the Tampa Bay Rays just continue to be nails. They continue to have great pitching. And a team that has had actually decent pitching so far this year, at least with their starters, the Miami Marlins. Bullpen of the Marlins sinks, but it wasn't needed in this one as they get a win of 11-3 over the San Francisco Giants. And for the Marlins, a team that is by far the worst in the big leagues at providing home runs, they get some dingers from Jorge Alfaro. That was his eighth home run of the year. Garrett Cooper went deep for his third of the year. And then they got a little bit of a nice find as in a pitch inning spot getting his first home run of the year. Rossell Herrera as well. He now has his average above the Mendoza line. And then for the San Francisco Giants, things just seem to be really going wrong for this team. Four guys for the San Francisco Giants pitched in this one. All four guys gave up at least one run. Jeff Samarja, the starter, gives up five runs in four innings. Sam Conrad gives up a run in relief. Derek Holland goes two innings, gives up two runs. And then Nick Vincent, three runs in relief as well. So 
The San Francisco Giants have to be on your fra- have to be on your fade list. The Nationals bullpen has been on your fade list all year long, but it winds up being just good enough to knock off the Atlanta Braves by kind of five to four. For the Nationals, they were able to get a home run from Howie Kendrick, his ninth of the year, and Steven Strasburg provides another good start. He goes seven innings, gives up two runs, both of which were earned. Kyle Bearclaw continues to heighten his ERA. It's now at 548 after giving up two runs. And for the Atlanta Braves, they were able to get things going in the eighth inning thanks to an Austin Riley home run. He's been up in the big leagues for two weeks, and he's got six home runs. But Max Fried, a gentleman that entered into this game with a sub-3 ERA, winds up giving up four runs in five and two-thirds innings. I will say, though, the Atlanta Braves bullpen has been nails in in three and a third innings. They give up just one run. That was given up by Anthony Swarzak. But all in all, They've been doing a solid job, but the Nationals are able to get a nice win there. The Chicago Cubs were able to get some offense going, but the pitching just was not there against the Houston Astros. They wind up falling by a count of 9-6. to six. If you flip that around, that is 6-9, but... For the Cubs, they were certainly able to supply some power. Jason Hayward, his eighth home run of the year. Addison Russell, his fourth. And then Kyle Schwarber goes deep for his ninth of the year. And David Bode goes deep twice, his fifth and sixth home run of the year, but... The problem with that is they had five home runs and just six total runs, so they weren't getting men on base. And John Lester, another bad start for him. Five and two-thirds innings, gives up seven runs, all of which were earned. Then Brad Brock out of the bullpen, gives up two runs himself. As with the Houston Astros, they've got so many guys out of the lineup right now. You've got George Springer out. You've got Jose Altuve out. list goes on and on, yet Alex Bregman provides two home runs, his 16th and 17th of the year. Corbin Martin winds up getting knocked out before the fourth inning. He goes three and two-thirds innings. He gives up three runs, all of which were earned, three of which were homers. But then Josh James gets a win, giving up three runs. And then from there, you had so many guys that were able to do a good job of pitching for this team. Hector Rondon wound up not giving up a run. Ryan Presley has been good out of the bullpen all year long for the Astros. And then Roberto Ozuna was able to close the door himself. Something that was a little bit unforeseen was... The Milwaukee Brewers winding up going up against a first-time starter and taking the loss in this one. As for the Minnesota Twins, getting a very good start in this one was Devin Smeltzer. Devin Smeltzer had never started a game before in his life at the big league level. Goes six innings, gets seven strikeouts, does not give up a single run. Now the Twins bullpen does seem to be coming back to earth a little bit as Blake Parker wound up giving up two runs out there late in the game for the Minnesota Twins and then... Travis Rogers did as well, but it was really the offense of the Minnesota Twins late in the game that carried them. It was big that Eddie Rosario was able to get his 17th home run of the year. That was in the seventh inning as the Twins hung a five spot in that one. As for the Brewers, they were able to get home runs out of Yasmani Grandal, his 11th of the year, and then Kesson Hira, his third of the campaign. And Zach Davies, another good start for this team. 2-1-9 is his ERA. It's a pitcher that you can continue to back. He goes six innings. He does not give up a single run, but Alex Claudio gives up two runs while recording just one out and then Junior Guerra in that seventh inning gives up two runs himself and then for Claudio he actually gave up three runs but just two of which were earned so obviously some wolves out there in the Milwaukee Brewers bullpen especially with Jeremy Jeffries out of the lineup a woe that is for the Arizona Diamondbacks is their bullpen as well as that unraveled as they wound up losing to the Colorado Rockies by kind of six to two it certainly did not help that Merrill Kelly wound up not being able to get out of the seventh inning as he gave up two runs there. As for the Colorado Rockies, they were able to get a home run out of Chris Iannetta, his fourth of the year. That was off of Kelly in that seventh inning, but Archie Bradley also gives up two runs in the eighth inning as well as 
For the Arizona Diamondbacks, Merrill Kelly winds up giving up four runs in six and two-thirds innings. Now he's a 483 ERA. Eduardo Escobar continues to rake for the team, 13th home run of the year, but Antonio Sensatella goes six innings. He gives up two runs, both of which were earned, including that home run. He looks solid in this one at the Colorado Rockies, who have had an up-and-down bullpen, goes three innings, doesn't give up a single hit. So obviously a good sign there. More good signs for the Texas Rangers as they knock off the Seattle Mariners by a count of 11-4. to for the Texas Rangers, they won with Jesse Chavez as an opener for Adrian Sampson. For Chavez, he winds up going one inning, just gives up one hit, doesn't give up a single run. And Sampson, solid himself, goes five innings, gives up three runs, all of which were now is at 4.53 ERA. And then Jeffrey Springs winds up giving up a run in relief as well. But for the Seattle Mariners, their pitching has just really unraveled on them, including Marco Gonzalez. He's been their best starter so far this year, but he now has an ERA by 3.96, goes four innings, gives up eight runs, six of which were earned. And then Brandon Brennan, who's been one of their best bullpen pieces, he gives up three runs in an inning as well. It didn't go well for this team, but what went well for the Texas Rangers is the fact that Noah Mazzara provided his seventh home run of the year and Ronald Guzman his sixth home run of the year. So obviously, they are firing at all cylinders. The New York Mets, as as high as a plus 190 underdog, which I didn't understand that, got to Rich Hill. They were able to pull off a 7-3 win. As for the L.A. Dodgers, Rich Hill just looks like a guy that I cannot back at this point. I know he had a decent start. Six innings pitch. He gives up two runs, both of which were earned, including a home run. But you pair that up with a bullpen that includes Yimi Garcia, Dylan Floro, Sean Alexander, and Ross Stripling. All guys that gave up at least one earned run, and it just causes for a bad combo. Joe Kelly was the only relief guy that did not give up a run in this game, and he has an ERA of an 835. As for the Dodgers, Cody Bellinger continues to be amazing. His 20th home run of the year, and he's already got 51 RBI, but for the New York Mets, they were able to supply some power as well. The Todd father, Todd Frazier, hits his third home run of the year. That was off of Rich Hill. And then Michael Conforto got to the bullpen, his 10th thinger of the year. And Steven Matz looks like a story you could trust. Six innings pitch. Gives up two runs, both of which were earned. Now is a 3-5-5 ERA. Robbie Zellman gives up a run on the bullpen, but Jurisic Familia, Spanish for blown save, was not in a safe situation as Edwin Diaz wound up closing out the game for the New York Mets. And a team that is looking to close things out is the LA Angels. They take down the Oakland A's by a count of 6-4. Things have not been going well for the Angels bullpen as of late, but they were able to get some decent pitching in this one. Cambridge Rosian served as the opener for the Angels. He gave up a run early, and then Nick Tropiano who was essentially the starter for the team, gives up five runs, gives up three runs in five innings. But then from there, the bullpen goes three solid innings, does not give up a single run. And Tommy LaSalle continues to just do damage for the Angels. He's got an average above 300. He had two RBI in this one. And for the Oakland A's, Frankie Montas had his worst start of the season. Gives up four runs in four innings. And then from there, the bullpen was pretty good. Joaquin Soria gave up two runs, but all in all, not bad for the A's. And they're getting their power back. Matt Olson is sixth home run of the year. Ramon Loreno, his sixth. And then Marcus Simeon is sixth. So that's 666 right there. That just shows you that that Oakland A's bet was not meant to be. But all in all, the Oakland A's seem to be doing a better job on offense. And the Angels seem to be picking things up as well. So what did we learn on this Tuesday? Lucas Giolito, still certainly a guy that you can trust. you got to love the New York Yankees bullpen, but Masahiro Tanaka certainly has his wolves in the San Diego Padres in the 8th and ninth inning have a bullpen that you can trust. For the Pittsburgh Pirates, their bullpen has absolutely unraveled. Matthew Boyd continues to be a great starter. 
for the Cleveland Indians. They still have some good bullpen pitching, even though they showed some chinks in the armor against the Boston Red Sox, but perhaps their bats are coming back alive. The Tampa Bay Rays continue winning games by two-plus runs. The Giants are worth a fade. The Washington Nationals seem to be doing a better job on offense. The Chicago Cubs are not getting good pitching from anyone right now. The Minnesota Twins may have found a new starter. The Arizona Diamondbacks do not do well against the Colorado Rockies in general. And the Texas Rangers offense continues to be great, while the New York Mets seem to be doing a decent job on offense. And Rich Hill, just a guy that I cannot back. So that was my takeaways from Tuesday. Now let's turn the page forward to Wednesday. Let's talk some trends. Let's talk some matchups for today. And helping me do so, of SPR is a key profit. That is up next right here on MLB Overtime Betting. Greg is going to the bullpen as he makes a call to the Azunia Hotline. And we're back here on MLB Overtime Betting. Greg Peterson broadcasting from the Azunia Tequila Studios out here in wonderful Las Vegas. Great pleasure to have on our next guest. You can follow him on Twitter at SkiProfit. That is spelled S-K-E-E and then the word profit. It is Akeem Profit. This is a man that does a little bit of everything. You probably know him a lot because he does terrific work handicapping the NBA He's getting back into the baseball realm as well. This is a gentleman that wears a variety of different hats, does a terrific job of being able to contribute for SBR Sportsbook Review, and he is joining me right now. Hakeem, how are you doing on this fine day? I'm doing well, Greg. Thank you for having me, and uh, it's definitely a blessing and an honor to be able to work with you. I'm a big fan of your work as well, so definitely happy to be on here with you. I do appreciate it. Thank you, and I know that you're a guy that... You've been in a little bit more of the NBA realm. You're getting back into baseball right now. What are a couple things just in general that you've noticed since you've dove back into baseball? Because I'm a guy that I always try to look at trends and everything like that. And for me, the hottest one for me this year has been the Rays just covering the run line because in 29 of their first 32 wins, they've won them by two plus runs. And that's been just super hot for me personally. Yeah, I know personally myself, I've been looking at Seattle Looking to back Seattle overs or whenever I can. Looking at Texas, another team that's, they had a lot of overs. I know under the four of the last five games, but that was when I was looking at the Twins have been great. Twins in the first five have been great. Dodgers first five have been great. I'm kind of the same as you. I attack these trends. I look to fade bad starting pitchers, check the market, looking at the home away splits. Other trends that I noticed, Boston, they've been great in the first five. Detroit has not been good. They've been terrible in the first five. Yeah, there certainly have been a lot of them, and it's so interesting because there are some pitchers that you want to back, and there are some pitchers that you want to fade, and I've noticed this year, there have been a lot of pitchers that have really let you down, the guys that you think would be rock-solid guys, like your Jacob DeGroms, your Max Scherzers, guys like that, they haven't necessarily been great this year, and we see a couple guys that are going on the mound on Wednesday, as I think that it's going to be really interesting to see how this all plays out. Have you been noticing as well that it's really good to be able to take the plus money against a guy like, say, Garrett Cole, against a guy like, let's just throw out there, Chris Sale as well, and just take those big plus prices because it's been really profitable for me. Yeah, most definitely, especially, I mean, if a pitcher you don't have faith in. I did a lot of talking about, I wasn't a fan of Boston's pitching. Chris Sale, David Price, I'm not a believer, especially in big games. I know these games start the year are not that great, but as you said, Chris Sale, He's, I think he's what one and six. So I'm not, I'm not really surprised. Another thing though, it's early. It's a long MLB season. Pitchers can start off shaky and end up getting right throughout their season. 
Oh, absolutely. We see it time and time again as we do have Akeem Prophet joining me right here on the podcast. And I do think that there is a very interesting pitcher going on Wednesday. It is going to be the Yankees versus the San Diego Padres. James Paxson comes off the injured list. Before going on there, he had a 311 ERA. He had been doing a great job with 52 strikeouts and just under 38 innings. But how about Chris Paddock? I know that you're a guy that you follow a lot of the California teams and everything like that. He's entering into this game with an ERA of a 193. He was scratched a couple days ago against the Toronto Blue Jays. But all in all, he has been nails for this team. What do you make out of this matchup? Because I think that it should be a very good pitcher's duel. And I really like what I've seen out of Chris Paddock this year. Be honest with you, at this early point in the season, the Yankees, it's been a team I wanted to stay away from. I know in the early year, last year, they started off not so hot and ended up picking it up. So I'm, I'm really honest. I'm not the kind of guy who will just t- say something just to say it. That's not a team I've been really following. I've been following maybe 20 teams to start the year. As you said, I do a, a majority or plenty of sports, so I can't really follow all of them, all of the teams to start out or while all the sports are going on. So... That's not one of the teams that's made my list. It certainly has been interesting because the Yankees got off to a little bit of a shaky start and they are right now 35 and 18 as we do this podcast, despite the fact that they have been just a total mash unit in general. Do you think that there's going to be some regression with this team because they've been getting all these wins and everything like that, but they've had some very unlikely contributions like Gio Urshela is right now hitting above 300. You've seen Glaber Torres go out, and he has had a torrid pace for home runs. Luke Voigt is mashing like crazy. Is this a spot where you're just seeing a little bit of regression from the New York Yankees? I'm not going to go that far. Honestly, my favorite game that I'm looking to is not going to be this one here. It's not one that I will wager on. If I'm doing this play, the pitcher matchups, I kind of I line up the day of. I kind of more so look at the trends going into those games, how the teams have been playing, not so much the pitcher matchup days ahead. Absolutely. And I do think that one of the trends that I've been looking at as well, the New York Mets were playing a lot of overs at the beginning of the year. But ever since, I would say the turn of May, this is a team that has become a little bit more of an under team. We're noticing that they're a little bit banged up. We've noticed that guys like Robinson Cano, Wilson Ramos is now back in the lineup, but he's been in and out of the lineup as well. I feel like the New York Mets have some values with their unders because Guys like Noah Syndergaard, Zach Wheeler and company, they've gotten off to a little bit of shaky starts, but they've got some good pitching. It just feels like the hitting in general went from super hot to super cold almost overnight. Yeah, I would agree there. And going up against the Dodgers, here's the thing. The Mets are 6-1 and one straight up their last seven games, but they're 0-5 straight up their last five road games. And the Dodgers, they're 14-2 and two their last 16 home games. So you want to bet on the Dodgers at home. You want to bet against the Mets on the road. And another trend that I brought up that I, I'm looking at, Dodgers 11-2, and two, last 13, first fives. It's a spot where, I mean, it'll be Dodgers. It'll be Dodgers or nothing for me. And as far as the total, I mean, when these two teams play, it's been over four of the last five games, over four of the last six for the Mets in general, over six of the last six games for the Dodgers. OPS, Dodgers are fourth, Mets are 20th, ERA, third and 18th. I mean, it would have to be Dodgers, and I would lean towards the over. I think the Dodgers put up the runs in that game. We've got Hakeem Profit joining me right here on MLB Overtime Betting, and I notice that you're bringing up a lot of trends and everything like that. I know that you've been focusing on a lot of things where it's like the last six games, last eight games, and everything like that. How do you really try to base your trends? Because I'm noticing something interesting with these Cincinnati Reds. About this time last week, they were by far the best team with regards to unders out there in Major League Baseball. But then over the weekend, 
They play a whole bunch of overs in their doubleheader. They have the over in the first game against the Pittsburgh Pirates. They've now played five straight overs as we're doing this podcast right now. How do you cap that? Because for the year, the Reds have certainly been an under team, but they've just all of a sudden been getting their offense going and giving up a couple more runs in general. Well, as I said, I've been getting back into baseball. I would have to look at who they have played. Maybe they played somebody who's been uh, putting up crazy amount of runs. And as far as what I look at in my trends, as far as all of the sports, really, I feel like baseball is the most streaky sport out of them all. When somebody goes on the streak, it just lasts for quite a while. And I have a hard time going against the streaks. Like, let's say the uh, Twins, for example, I would have a hard time backing the Brewers. I ride the trends while they go. If a new one pops up, I may wait until it's been maybe like three games and then start to hop on it or, or take another look at it. But it's also not just the trends I'm looking at. It's a couple little things. I have like a process, if you will say, and I just check off the marks as I go. Absolutely. And then do you have like a certain list of pitchers that you like to fade and back? Because something with me is that there are just some pitchers out there that I cannot back. Jorge Lopez of the Kansas City Royals is a guy that just can't win a game to save his life. Homer Bailey is Homer Bailey going into Memorial Day, a game that obviously had some rain involved with it. Teams that he had been starting for went 5-25 and 25 in his last 30 games. I always look at stuff like that. Is that something that you take into account as well? Most definitely. The first day with MLB starting, I didn't even have to look at anything. I was asking my guys to do MLB. Um, what's the deal? Are we fading Homer Bailey again to start the season? I know he was terrible last year. And I mean, I'm looking at it right now. He hasn't been as bad, right? I mean, I think he's four and five in his starts and he didn't, his record was nothing like that the last year. I mean, certain times when the market catches up, you have to find a different way to fade them. So maybe if it's not working on the spread, maybe you want to fade him with a total, maybe an over. Absolutely. And then something else I always notice in baseball is that these days, bullpens have become so untrustworthy. It's so hard to find a couple good ones. I would say the Padres in late inning situations have been very good. You've got Kirby Yates as a closer. He's got like a 1-2 ERA. And then Craig Stamen, who sets him up, has been very good. But are there some situations where you might take a look at a team in a first five, but not for an entire game because of these shaky bullpens, like the Nationals, who have like a seven bullpen ERA? It's just absolutely insane. Oh, uh, yeah, most definitely. If I feel you have an advantage in your bullpen, Shaky, I would take it early. It's kind of random right here, but when you said bullpen, first thing that pops in my head is that Texas and Seattle. Oh, I mean, gosh. Two terrible bullpens, 25th, I think, and 28th. And uh, the offenses are good. I mean, OPS, 8th and 5th. I'm expecting runs. As I said in the beginning, when I first started hopping back on baseball, Seattle was great to the over and Texas was great to the over. So it's a game where, I mean, I think the bullpen will play a part. And starting pitchers, I think we have what? Who, who do we have for that on game? On Wednesday, we've got Drew Smiley versus Wade LeBlanc, two guys who have an ERA above six. Yeah, so I'm looking to go over in that game for sure. There you go. Yeah, <laughs> this is one right here where unless if they're setting the total because we don't have opening lines yet at like 12 or something like that, this is probably going to be an overwhelming spot as we do have Akeem Broffitt joining me right here on the podcast. And it is one of those things where... I always try to look at whenever I evaluate pitchers as well, how many home runs they give up per nine innings just because we do notice that some of these guys in this day and age, they're only going like three or four innings. So sometimes they're not going to be giving up necessarily as many home runs per start. I feel like that's a little bit of a misleading set because it could be like, oh, this guy's given up only 20 home runs and he's won 27 games. But it's like, oh, wait, 
he's only going three or four innings in those starts as well. Is that something that you use as well, those kind of splits, whenever you're evaluating pitchers as well? Because I always like to do for full nine innings rather than just per how many games that they do start, just because, like I said, some of these sample sizes are small with their starts. Yeah, as far as pitchers, I mean, I will look at the, how many innings they pitch. And another stat that I kind of came across, I mean, I've, I've learned a lot over the years. As I say, I think I got it from Ian Cameron. When you stop learning, you stop winning. So I try to continue learning, take a little bit from everybody I come across. And uh, with pitching, it's a thing called game score. And uh, that kind of helps me gauge when I think pitchers will regress and they have better games. So that's one thing that I look for and uh, use to my advantage greatly. Absolutely. It's one of those things where it's just being able to do that deep dive into things. And Hakeem, taking a look at the Wednesday slate, I think that it's very intriguing because I know that you're a guy that you take a look a lot at the L.A. Dodgers. They are going to be going up against the Mets, a team that we talked about a little bit earlier. Walker Buehler is going on the mound for the Dodgers. I think that this is very interesting because he's right now having a record of 5-1, and one, but I just feel like he hasn't been the same pitcher as he was last year. Currently got a 3-5 ADRA. He's been doing better as of late, but I know you track the Dodgers quite a bit. What have been your thoughts on him so far this year? I've been missing his starts. I watched him a lot last year, and I loved him last year. Great stuff, a great strikeout pitcher. I've been missing this year. I know we've been winning, though, so I know it can't be too bad with Bueller, but I talked to one of my friends, Red Girl. I kind of put a lot of people on Bueller. I know he was a young pitcher. He's been doing well, so I like Bueller a lot in general. I will have to pay attention more as a, like now it's the NBA finals coming to an end. I'll have a lot more time to dedicate to MLB. Oh, I, I can't say that I've seen anything this year in particular. Absolutely. And then the Dodgers bullpen in general, though, is one that I haven't been able to trust. I think that you know this about as well as I do. The Dodgers bullpen has given up more runs and maybe their ERA would indicate there's been a lot of unearned runs. I still remember the grand slam that Dylan Floro gave up against the Washington Nationals. Those were all unearned runs, but at the same time, it was a grand slam that was given up as well. I just don't feel very comfortable whenever I back the Dodgers. That's because guys like Kenley Jansen and company just have not been the same guys that they have been in the past. And Caleb Ferguson, who just came off the injured list, has a ERA right around six, and he's one of their big bridge guys. Man, and instantly, when you talked about that bullpen, there's a game I can't recall. When you know, when you track your plays, you go over your plays and look at where you went wrong. It was that game. Okay, so this ties together. The Reds were great with unders, right? And they started to go over. They were playing the Dodgers. And we just talked about that. Maybe they were playing a team who was hitting great. And the under was nine and a half. And we had it. It was one out, I believe. One oh, out I in remember the ninth this. Inning. I think it was a Hunjin Ryu start. Yeah, there we go. That's the game right there. And the bullpen blows it. Blows the under. Oh, so I definitely feel the pain oh, there. I remember that. Six runs in the ninth inning. That thing was a dead under all the way through. And then boom. It happens, and it's why I do feel like it is a little bit risky to take unders in baseball. Now, granted, unders are cashing at about a 48 or so percent clip, but you just never feel secure with them no matter what number you get. Yeah, and it's hard to watch under games. Like, it's hard to even enjoy the game when you're rooting for no points or no runs or whatever the case may be. Oh, I, but you'd always love it when you get that cash. I do agree with you, but there is something else I noticed with total as, as well. What I noticed with totals is the fact that not too many of these games land on them whatsoever. Like, whenever I personally have a choice between a couple books, if one book is posting like an eight and a half with the over at minus 120 juice and another another book has an 
over of nine at like even or plus 105. I always take the plus 105 or the even juice over the minus 120 just because I'm noticing right now not enough games are falling on these numbers to make it worth laying that juice. I can understand that point. And I mean, you always want the plus money. And like I said, when you stop learning, you stop winning. That's something I can say I've learned from Will Capper. He does that in the NBA. He'll take the line backwards a half a point just to get plus money on it. You're not betting to tie or something. You're betting to win. So, I mean, I definitely understand that point there. And getting the plus money definitely helps out in the long run. That's why I'm not a fan of buying points or turning dogs into favorites. I'm more a fan of the plus money. Exactly. That is the exact way that I handicap baseball. Always try to take these plus prices as Akeem Profit is joining me right here on the podcast. And Akeem, I know you're doing great work with so many different sports, the NBA. I know you're getting back into baseball right now. The list goes on and on. You're always on SBR quite a few times every week, contributing on there. Let the good people at home know where they can find you on Twitter, know where they can find you on video since I know you're doing just a whole bunch of different stuff. Oh, yeah, most definitely. You can find me on Twitter at Ski Profit. And I do a couple of video shows throughout the week. On Tuesday and Thursday, I join Jimmy the Bag on the SBR channel on the Betting with the Bag show. And on Saturday and Sunday, you can find me on the Closing Line show there at 8 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. And thank you for having me, Greg. It's been an honor. I love rolling with you. It's been great talking with you. And I'm also learning from you as well. So thank you very much. Awesome. I appreciate it as well. A big thanks, Akeem Prophet, for joining me right here on MLB Overtime Betting. Now it is that time of the podcast. Coming up next, I give you a side and total on every game on the Las Vegas betting board and a little something I like to call Touch Em All. Hey, I'm Steve Heitner, the guy who uttered the famous phrase, that's gold. And that's the inspiration of my new podcast, That's Gold with Steve Heitner. We talk sports, sports betting, movies, comedy, food, drink, Vegas, music, movies, and more. Five days a week. Did I say movies twice? Look, guys love it, whether they're hip or worried about breaking a hip. Find us on Apple and Google Podcasts, as well as Spotify and Stitcher. That's Gold with me, Steve Heitner. Welcome back to MLB Overtime. Greg is throwing a gem, so yeah, he better not blow it. And a big thanks to Akeem Prophet of SBR for joining me in the last segment as we're back here on MLB Overtime Betting. And now it is that time of the show in which I give you a side and total on every game on the Las Vegas betting board and a little something I like to call Touch Em All. If a game is listed on the betting board, Greg has a side and a total on it, so it is time to touch them all. Having a great day out here in the Azunia Tequila Studios in wonderful Las Vegas and the Azunia Tequila Studios currently. The apartment of my girlfriend, so some of these plays all locked in, good to go, everything like that. Some of these, I'm in wait and see mode. For some of these games, I'm in wait and see mode, waiting on some line moves, waiting on perhaps some guys that may or may not be available in the lineup itself, stuff like that. So I'll be keeping you guys abreast of that as we go along. And as always, it'll be noted up on my Twitter page at GeneNerdsCourty1. We start with 901-902 on the betting rotation. You got the Pittsburgh Pirates in Cincinnati to face off against the Reds. Yes, we are on to Cincinnati. Stephen Brault goes for the Pittsburgh Pirates. Anthony D. Scalfani for the Reds. Total in this game is 10.5. 
over is anywhere between minus 105 and minus 110. The under is anywhere between minus 110 and minus 115. If you're taking a look here at the Buccos, you're going to be getting a plus price anywhere between plus 142 and plus 145 if you want to lay it with the Reds. Minus 152 to minus 160 is going to be the tax there. And yes, I do want to lay it with the Reds here. The Pittsburgh Pirates and Stephen Brault have not been getting some good pitching recently, to say the least. Stephen Brault just is not a story that I want to hitch my wagon to. Meanwhile, with the Cincinnati Reds, they've actually been really picking things up with the bat. Going into Tuesday, they had played five of their last six games over, and the only game that did not go over was a push. So, essentially, they haven't played an under nearly a week. And then with the Pittsburgh Pirates, we all do know about the big bats in the lineup. They've got a couple guys that are able to match. Josh Bell, 17 home runs so far this year, over 45 RBI, and then he's got an average right around 330. He has been absolutely terrific for this team. Kevin Newman hitting nearly a 330 himself. Sterling Marte and Gregory Polanco out there in the outfield hitting a 250 and a 265 respectively. Melky Cabrera around a 230 himself. We've seen Elias Diaz picking up with the bat though. Cole Tucker leaves a whole lot to be desired but then with the Cincinnati Reds they really picked it up with the average especially Eugenio Suarez. Eugenio Suarez has been on a power tear. He's now hitting 283. This for a Reds team that around this time last week was hitting below 220 as a unit. 14 home runs, 39 RBI. RBR for Suarez. You've got Dan Diedrich who has 15 home runs. I'm not sure how. I'm not sure why, but good for him. Yasiel Puig, a double-digit amount of home runs. 216 average. He'll not get the job done, but Jose Iglesias hitting a 310 himself. You've got Jose Peraza and Tucker Barnard at the bottom of the lineup, both hitting below the Mendoza line, but Nick Senzel seems to be finding it. He's hitting above 260, and Jesse Winker hitting a 241. He's able to supply some power. He's got 10 home runs so far this year, and with the Cincinnati Reds, You've got one of the best bullpens out there in the big leagues. You've got guys like Amir Garrett that you're able to rely upon. I will say that Dylan Hernandez, who has been used in a lot of relief appearances so far this year, not necessarily getting the job done himself, but all in all, I do like what I'm seeing out of this team, and I do not like what I'm seeing at all out of Steven Brault, which I said earlier. He's got a 1-1 record, but his ERA is a 7-11, which means he is always open to giving up runs. 1-7-4 whip, that would be an impressive bench press number, and that means that that's not good. 25 and a third innings, He's given up five home runs and 16 walks. Meanwhile, Anthony D. Scalfani, not great himself. 13 home runs, given up in 48 and two-thirds innings. Eh, that's not necessarily terrific, but 17 walks as well. He's got 52 punch-outs. I do think he'll have some success against the Pirates. I do think that this is a total that has been jacked up a little bit too high because I think the Reds can be able to have a successful day of the bullpen. I think that D. Scalfani is going to be able to do a solid job as well. So looking at a Reds run line price here because I think they'll get to Brault. I think they'll get to a Pittsburgh Pirates bullpen that, let's face it, has been used very heavily so far this year. And other than guys like Vasquez, and Francisco Lariano don't have many trustworthy arms. Plus price I'm seeing on the Reds run line is plus 120. Wayne C mode there along with the under of 10.5 because I'm noticing steam coming in on the over. So we're going to be playing both of those just in Wayne C mode as to the exact numbers. 903-904 on the betting rotation. You've got the St. Louis Cardinals and they are in Philly to face off against the Phillies. You've got a first-time starter out there for the St. Louis Cardinals in Genesis Cabrera. And meanwhile, for the Philadelphia Phillies, Aaron Supernola. Total on this game is 10. If you like the under, that's usually minus 115. The over is minus 105. If you want to lay it here with Philadelphia Phillies, that's anywhere between minus 175 and minus 180. The plus price here on the St. Louis Cardinals, anywhere between plus 160 and plus 163. I've been taking a look at the numbers of Genesis Cabrera out there in the minor leagues. So far at the AAA level, he hasn't necessarily been lights out to say the least. This is a gentleman that enters with a 2-3 record in the minor leagues. He's made 9 total appearances, 7 starts. He's got a 2-3 record. 
635 ERA in 39 and two-thirds innings. He's given up 11 home runs. That's 2.5 home runs per nine innings. He's given up 4.3 walks per nine innings as well. Now, I do realize that he looked a little bit better out there in the minor leagues in the 2018 season. Between AA and AAA last year, he was 8-9, but this is a gentleman that still has a walks problem. Last year, I had 4.6 walks per nine innings. This is a guy I have no faith in whatsoever. Now, Aaron Nola has not necessarily been himself so far this year, but he's backed up by a lineup that's doing quite a bit. You've got Reese Hoskins. He's a gentleman that has been doing a solid job with the bat for the year. He's got 13 home runs, 266 average, 41 RBI. Gene Segura heading into Tuesday was hitting 315 himself. We all know that Bryce Harper certainly has his issues with the punch outs. He leads the major leagues in that regard, but you also do have Sean Kingery back in the fold. He's a gentleman that's hitting above 350. That is obviously huge for them. They're not going to have a Dubo Herrera after he was just being a moron. And Nick Williams, honestly, not too much of an upgrade or a downgrade. JT Riamuto hitting 271 right now. You've got Andrew McCutcheon at the top of the lineup hitting 260. He's got some pop and Cesar Hernandez hitting above 300. And then you take a look at the St. Louis Cardinals. Seems like this team is coming back to earth with their offense. Marcel Ozuna, though he's been doing a lot of damage with the bat, he is only hitting 230. He's been able to provide 14 home runs so far this year. That's obviously good, but then you've got Matt Carpenter. He's picking it up as of late, but only hitting 222. Colton Wong, 226. Harrison Bader has his average up to a 265, and Yadier Molina's been pretty steady recently with his 267, but other than Paul DeYoung, who's hitting a 295, you don't have a single guy that started in Tuesday's game that's hitting above 270 at this point. So that's obviously a woe. The St. Louis Cardinals, I know that Hicks blew that save a couple days ago, but all in all, they do have a decent bullpen. So for that reason, I am taking a look at this total under, but I do think that Aaron Knowles is going to be able to get back online. He's been a better pitcher at home than on the road. 5-0 record despite a 4.53 ERA. He's given up nine dingers and 57 and two-thirds innings, but he still has a good swing and miss stuff. 66 punch outs. In 57 and two-thirds innings, I think the Phillies get it done, and I think this total stays under. Just in wait-and-see mode as to what number I'm going to get on the under since it's right now juice. And I'm going to be looking at the Phillies' run line in this spot as well. Currently seeing a run line price anywhere between minus 105 and plus 105. Would like to be able to get a little bit more value, but I will be playing this regardless. 905, 906 on the betting rotation. We've got the Miami Marlins, and they are going to be playing host the San Francisco Giants. Mad Bum, Madison Bumgarner on the mound for the Giants. And our man, Pablo Lopez, going for the Miami Marlins. You got a total year of seven. That over is minus 120. The under is even. The Miami Marlins are going to be an underdog here. Anywhere between plus 105 and plus 108 if you want to lay with the Giants. Anywhere between minus 115 and minus 118. I do like what I've seen out of Madison Bumgarner so far this year. He's not the guy that he once was, but at the same time, he's got a 410 ERA. Giving up 10 home runs in 68 innings, not necessarily a redeeming quality, but he's got good command, only 13 walks so far this year. He's going up against a Miami Marlins team that they are dead last in the majors in regards to home runs, and it's not even close. First 51 games of the year, 36 dingers. Though I will say that for the San Francisco Giants, they don't have a whole lot of offense themselves. As a collective, the San Francisco Giants currently hitting 221, the Miami Marlins 226. Obviously, they're leaving something to be desired in Pablo Sandoval. Right now, leading the team in regards to power. 299 average, 7 home runs, 18 RBI. That right there is called not good. Kevin Pillar, 6 home runs, 23 RBI, hitting 234. That's also not necessarily getting the job done. You've got Steven Duger hitting right in the realm of 240. Buster Posey, whenever he's in, he's in the lineup, is hitting 250, but... 
Problem is, he's been badly banged up so far this year. They are finding something out of the grandson of Carl Ustremski, of all people. Mike Ustremski, right now hitting above 300 for the team in a very limited sample size. So that's been good. But then you got Brandon Belt, Evan Longoria, both these guys hitting below 230. Brandon Crawford now hitting below the Minoza line. And then you got Tyler Austin, who sometimes plays for this team. He's able to provide a little bit, but man. It's not going well for them. And for the Miami Marlins, you've got a bunch of outfielders that are not really hitting, and it's all led by Curtis Granderson, who's hitting well below the Mendoza line. Garrett Cooper has upped his average to a 225. Brett Anderson is hitting a 230. Neil Walker has really been raking for the team. 295 average. He's got four home runs, but then you've got Sterling Castro hitting a 230. Jorge Alfaro and Miguel Rojas sitting at 233. It just is not really going well for the team, aside from Harold Ramirez, who's very nearly hitting 400 in a very small sample size. So, He's been good for the team. The rest of the team has not been so good. And our man, Mr. Lopez, not a guy I want to really trust in. 540 ERA, 51 and two-thirds innings. He's only given up 14 walks. A whip of a 1-2-4 is not bad, but he lends himself to a little bit of hard contact, and that's in a very, very friendly pitcher's park where he's given up seven home runs so far this year. And with the San Francisco Giants, the long relievers of this team, like your Derek Collins and company, are not good. But the guys that come in for one inning, like Sam Dyson, they're pretty good. And with the Miami Marlins, their bullpen is just all sorts of awful. So for that reason, I am on the San Francisco Giants in the spot and have already locked it in. And I'm going to be on this total over. I do think that we're going to see a couple runs in this game. I'm currently in wait and see mode on the over, but I've already locked and loaded on the San Francisco Giants in this spot. We move on to a game that is currently off the board. 907-908 on the bag rotation. The Washington Nationals are in Atlanta to face off against the Braves. The reason why this game is off the board is because the Washington Nationals have yet to announce a starter. Meanwhile, for the Atlanta Braves, it is going to be Kevin Gosman. And Kevin Gosman is a little bit of a mystery for this team. He has had his decent starts so far this year, and then he's had his poor ones. 2-3 record, 4-3-3 ERA. He's given up only 5 home runs in 54 innings. But with that said, he's also given up 21 walks. He hasn't had the greatest command. And this is a Washington Nationals team that we all know how bad the bullpen has been for this team. It is historically awful. But they do have some guys coming back with the bats that are doing a good job. Juan Soto heading into Tuesday. 8 home runs, 35 RBI, hitting 287. Anthony Rendon, 10 dingers, 31 RBI, hitting above 300. Howie Kendrick has been providing an average above 300. He's got 8 home runs. He's been doing a solid job for this team. Trey Turner has been in a little bit of a funk, but this is a gentleman that led the league in regards to stolen bases last year, so... He should be able to add that element to this team. You got Victor Robles, who's at the bottom of the lineup, hitting right around 242. Brian Dozier has not found it with the bat. He's hitting up just above the Mendoza line. But you also do have Adam Eaton, who does a nice job of getting on base. And then with the Atlanta Braves, you've got Ronald Acuna Jr., a man that does a little bit of everything, hitting 280, 11 home runs, 31 RBI. Guy is very special. Ozzy Albies hitting 267. He's got right around 7 8 home runs. Brian McCann and Tyler Flowers at the catcher spot, both getting the job done. Austin Riley still hitting above 300. He's been up in the big leagues for about two weeks, and he's already got five dingers. That's obviously huge. Dansby Swanson has been doing a terrific job of driving guys in, along with Freddie Freeman. For Swanson, he's got 35 RBI, and Freddie Freeman, 316 average, 10 home runs, 35 RBI, and then you cap it off with Josh Johnson and Nick Markakis, two veterans that are very solid in the lineup. And with the Atlanta Braves, you've noticed guys like Josh Tomlin and company have been doing a very good job out there in the bullpen. I like what Luke Jackson delivers. And with the Washington Nationals, with not knowing who their starter is going to be, and I've been checking Twitter, I'm not seeing too many indications on who it's going to be. Early lean has to be to the Atlanta Braves here. And if we're seeing a total of like nine, I'm probably going to take it over because I just have no faith whatsoever in the Nationals. 
bullpen. And I do think that the Braves are really ascending right now. We heard it from our man, Akeem Prophet, and we've heard it from so many guys on the podcast the past few days that the Braves are a team that's heating up. So looking at the Braves and an over in the spot, but obviously check back in the morning on my Twitter feed at GNNRSquare81 once a line is posted. 909-910 on the betting rotation. The Arizona Diamondbacks are in Colorado to face off against the Rockies. Jeff Hoffman goes for the Rockies. Robbie Ray goes for the D-backs. Total on this game is 11.5. The over is minus 115. The under is minus 105. If you're taking a look at the Diamondbacks in the spot, laying anywhere between minus 125 and minus 128. Plus price here on the Colorado Rockies between plus 115 and plus 118. You haven't noticed the Rockies as an underdog too much in Coors, and it makes sense in the spot. I know that a lot of people have been looking to fade Robbie Ray, but he is by far the superior pitcher in the spot. 4-1 record, 3-2-6 ERA. The walks are high. 31 of them in 58 innings, but then you look at our man, Mr. Jeff Hoffman. He's made two starts so far this year. 8-10 is his ERA, 150 whip in 10 innings. He's given up two dingers. It just has not went well for him. And for the Arizona Diamondbacks, you got a team that's doing a good job of raking. David Peralta currently on the 10-day injured list. That's a little bit of a woe, but Eduardo Escobar doing the job for this team, hitting above 285, 12 home runs, 40 RBI going into the team's game on Tuesday. Gerard Dyson has been tremendous, sealing 12 bases so far this year. He's hitting nearly 280. Cattell Marte, 275 average, 12 home runs, 38 RBI. Adam Jones at 10 spot for his amount of home runs, 280 average. Christian Walker has really come back to earth. It's been a little bit befuddling there, but then you've got Nick Ahmad hitting 275 himself. And with the Colorado Rockies, you've got a whole bunch of guys that are hitting for average. Daniel Murphy is right now the weak link getting a 221. Though Ian Desmond is only hitting a 232, he's been ascending. You've got Chris Iannetta and... Tony Walters at the catcher spot, both doing a very good job with their bats. Ryan McMahon seems to be picking things up as well. He's hitting a right around 245. But the man that you got to key in on, Nolan Arenado, 336 average, 15 home runs, 46 RBI. Trevor Story, 270 average, 13 dingers, 35 RBI of his own. Dave Dell's hitting above 300. Remiel Tapia, 280. And with the Colorado Rockies, you got a pretty decent bullpen. Got guys like Scott Oberg. Brian Shaw and Wade Davis, but they've been used heavily the past couple days. And with the Arizona Diamondbacks, I think they're going to get by far a better start from Robbie Ray. Greg Holland has been a good closer for this team. I know that many people are jaded on Archie Bradley, but he's not too bad. Yoshi Arado is a guy that you want to avoid, and I don't think he's going to be coming out of the pen in this game. So for that reason, all aboard the Arizona Diamondbacks in the spot and the over. Have already locked in the over. And Wayne Seamode on the D-backs as well. would like to try to be able to get more of a minus 120 price instead of a minus 125. 9-11, 9-12 on the betting rotation. The New York Mets are in LA to face off against the Dodgers. Walker Beeler goes for the Dodgers. Noah Thor Syndergaard for the New York Mets. Drawing this game is 7.5. Over and under, both at minus 110. If you like the Mets, you're going to be getting a plus price here. That is going to be anywhere between plus 155 and plus 165. If you want to lay it here with the Dodgers, that is anywhere between minus 170 and minus 180. I know that things have been a struggle for the Mets recently, and I do know that Walker Beeler has looked a little bit better in his most recent starts, but I'm just not seeing the same Walker Buehler that I saw last year, and for that, that reason, I do think that there is a lot of value here on the New York Mets. As we know with the Mets, they've been playing a lot more unders recently, but they still do have a couple bats that are really getting the job done. The biggest one of which is Pete Alonso going into Tuesday's action, hitting 254, 17 home runs, 39 RBI. He's been terrific. Now, Jeff McNeil being out of the lineup is huge. He was really the guy that was setting the table with a average right around a 333, but Amit Rosario has been doing a pretty good job for the team, hitting 256. J.D. Davis hitting right around a 270. You've got Michael Comforto in 
in that same neighborhood as well to go with his nine home runs. And then a Denny Echevarria has actually delivered something. He's got three home runs and just 37 at-bats, 243 average. Now, you're not getting much out of Carlos Gomez and Todd Frazier, but having Wilson Ramos back is big as well. And then with the LA Dodgers, you've got your obvious couple mashers. Cody Bellinger, 383 average, 19 home runs and 49 RBI is big. You've got Max Muncy, who's got 10 dingers, but Josh Scherner still sitting on just six home runs so far this year. Seems to be coming around for him. He's got a 307 average, but we did notice that Jock Peterson was out of the lineup yesterday. Alex Verdugo has been a little bit in and out of the lineup. The catcher spot in general for this team has been a mash unit. Corey Seager is only hitting 240. Kike Hernandez is hitting 220. David Freeze is hitting at 250. So you've got some guys that are not necessarily online. And then with the LA Dodgers, you got a very untrustworthy bullpen. Yimi Garcia, a guy like a Dylan Floro, someone that I do not trust as well. Pedro Baez is right now the best bridge guy other than Kenley Jansen. And we have noticed that as well. The Mets bullpen, which had actually been good for about a month, has really come back to earth. Guys like Robbie Gazelman, Taylor Bachelor, and company, they've been giving up the runs to say the least. But you do have Edwin Diaz, who's able to close the game out late. And with Noah Syndergaard, I do think that he's going to be able to find it. We all remember the shutout that he pitched a few weeks ago against the Cincinnati Reds. He has certainly been up and down so far this year. He's got a record one game below 500, which you're not used to seeing, 493 ERA. He's given up 10 home runs to 69 in the third innings, but you can tell he has good swing and miss stuff. 72 punch outs and 15 walks in that time. And meanwhile, with Walker Beeler, he's not necessarily going the deepest in his starts. He's only given up five home runs and 11 walks in his 55 in the third innings, but all in all, I think that if you trust in the bullpen of the Dodgers, you're going to get burned here. So for that reason, going to be on the plus price here with the Mets and the under. Currently Wayne C mode on the under and the Mets, but I'm going to be playing both of those. 9-13-9-14. On the betting rotation, you got the LA Angels, and they are heading to Oakland to face off against the A's. Daniel Megden goes for the A's. Griffin Canning for the Angels. Total on this game is 9. The over is minus 115. The under is minus 105. If you're looking at the swing in Oakland A's, you're going to be laying anywhere between minus 110 and minus 114. The plus price here on the Angels between even juice and plus 104. Griffin Canning has not necessarily been great ever since he's gotten the call up to the majors. Now, don't get me wrong. He has not been awful, but something else that we've noticed about the Angels is the fact that their bullpen has really been letting them down and has been letting them down in a big way. Griffin Canning, 2-1 record, 342 ERA. In five starts, he's won 26 in a third inning, so he's not necessarily going deep. The 29 punch outs is nice. The five home runs give it up, not so nice. And Daniel Megden is three starts back. Has actually been decent. 3-3-1 ERA. Got shelled in his first start, but has not given up a home run yet. The 11 walks, a massive issue. But with the Oakland A's, they have since DFA'd Fernando Rodney. That is big. That means that you've got guys like Blake Tryon, Lou Trevino, and company that you're able to trust in. And for the A's, the offense really seems to be supplying some power as well. You've got Matt Chapman heading into Tuesday, hitting a 269. 14 home runs, 32 runs driven in. He has been terrific for this team. Marcus Simeon hitting right around at 265, but the guy that's really picking it up is Jeff Feigley, hitting just below 290 with seven home runs in limited amount of at-bats. Ramon Loreno has his average up to a 243. Drickson Profar still hitting below the Mendoza line, but he and Mark Hanna both have eight dingers apiece. Mark Hanna's gotten his average up to a 228, better than it was before he went on the injured list. Matt Olson has... Been doing a good job ever since he's gotten off the injured list. 243 average with five home runs. Not great, not awful. Robbie Grossman leaves something to be desired with his 225 average. But Steven Piscotty 
hitting a 268 is big as well. And then you take a look at the LA Angels. You've got a pair of guys with 12 home runs and Mike Trout and Tommy Lasella. Lasella hitting 297 and Mike Trout 281. But ever since Joey Otani got back in the lineup, he's not doing much. Hitting below 230. Albert Pujols hitting 233 himself, but the nine home runs are nice. Cole Calhoun, 10 dingers, 246 average. And then you've got guys like Brian Goodwin that are doing a good job. He's in 291. Daniel Fletcher, 314. But then you've got a little bit of question mark with the catcher spot. Jonathan Lucroy has been out the past couple days, but he came back to the lineup yesterday, hitting 268. And Louis Rengifo is only hitting just above the Mendoza line as well. And I just can't trust in this LA Angels bullpen. I will say that both these teams have been kicking up their offense recently, so going to be playing this over this total over just in wait and see mode because I'm seeing the over juice at minus 115. Would like to be able to get minus 110 and in wait and see mode on the A's as well, but going to be playing both of those. We move on to 915-916 on the bank rotation. The Texas Rangers are in Seattle to face off against the Mariners. Wade LeBanc goes for the Mariners. Drew Smiley goes for the Rangers. Total on this game is 9.5. We're seeing the shading to the over right now. Over is anywhere between minus 115 and minus 120, under between even and minus 105. If you're taking a look at the Rangers, you're going to get a plus price here. Anywhere between plus 106 and plus 115. Want to lay it here with the Mariners. That's anywhere between minus 116 and minus 125. This is certainly a spot where I'm going to have to take a look at the Seattle Mariners because the Seattle Mariners have been doing a great job of being able to supply some power all year long. We all know that they don't necessarily have the greatest batting averages and everything like that, but with the Texas Rangers, you've also got a pretty divided lineup in which you've got a bunch of guys that are hitting above 300 since you chew, hitting just below that, but it's been very solid. You've got Danny Santana hitting above 300. They've really been getting a lot out of Elvis Andrews, who entered into Tuesday hitting a 320. Joey Gallo, for some reason, is still hitting above 270, and he's got 15 home runs. But then you take a look at some of the famine bats. Isaiah Kinnear-Felfa only hitting 222. Ronald Guzman, 205. Rodando Ador, 162. Azurba Cabrera, despite nine home runs, only hitting 217. No Mazar's hitting a 253, which is nice. And then you've got Hunter Pence hitting a 300, but... Big, giant drop-off there. Meanwhile, with the Seattle Mariners, you're not getting a lot out of Shed Long and Malik Smith. Both these guys hitting below the Mendoza line. Jay Bruce only hitting 205 himself, but 13 home runs is nice. Edwin Encarnacion also has 13 home runs. Daniel Vogelbach, 15. Danny Domingo Santana, 278 average. You go with 42 RBI. Omar Navarez is hitting nearly 290 himself. They've been dealing with the loss of D. Gordon recently, but they also have Kyle Seeger back in lineup as well. That is good. And we've noticed with the Seattle Mariners, they're actually getting some better bullpen play. Meanwhile, with the Texas Rangers, you still have to hold your breath on guys like Jose LeClerc, Jeffrey Springs and company. And with the Seattle Mariners, you don't necessarily have the greatest arms out there, but Jesse Biddle, ever since he's come over with the team, he's actually been somewhat decent for them. And then you're also getting some good bridge innings from Austin Adams as well. So for that reason, I'm going to be all aboard the Seattle Mariners, and I think this is going to be a higher scoring game. So looking at the run line price here, that's currently a plus 160 and we see mode there, but I've already locked in the over of nine and a half runs on this game. We move on to 917-918 on the bank rotations. Baltimore Orioles are playing hosts to the Detroit Tigers. Ryan Carpenter, for some reason, is getting another start for the Detroit Tigers. Jonathan Mean for the Baltimore Orioles. Total in this game is 9.5. Over has juice of minus 115. The under is minus 105. If you're looking at the Baltimore Orioles, laying anywhere between minus 128 and minus 130. Plus price here with the Tigers is anywhere between plus 118 and plus 120. Hard to have a whole heck of a lot of faith right now in this Detroit Tigers pitching staff in general. Ryan Carpenter has not been good for this team. And Jonathan Mean's Though he's not necessarily 
an ace or anything like that. He's been able to provide right around five, five and a half solid innings for the Baltimore Orioles all year long. Now, we do know that the Orioles have one of the worst bullpens out there in the big leagues, but good news is so do the Detroit Tigers and Ryan Carpenter, by far the worst starter in this spot. In four starts, he's won 14 innings with a 9 ERA and giving up five home runs in 14 innings. Jonathan Means, meanwhile, 296 ERA, 48 and two-thirds innings. He's given up seven long balls, 15 walks, 117 whip. Very respectable there. With the Detroit Tigers, you don't have a lot of guys that are hitting for power. And with the Baltimore Orioles, they actually do have a couple guys that are hitting home runs. Trey Boom Mancini hitting above 300. He's got 10 dingers. Renato Nunez, 13 home runs, 237 average, 31 RBI. Dwight Smith Jr. has went deep eight times himself. He's hitting nearly 270. And then you've got a couple guys that are falling with their average a little bit. Jonathan VR hitting more in the realm of 250 right now. And then you got Stevie Wilkerson, who's hitting in the realm of 250 as well. Keon Broxton has been hitting below the Mendoza line. And Richie Martin has not gotten online. He's in the buck 70. But you've got Hanser Alberto hitting above 300 as well. And Pedro Severino, a 265. For the Detroit Tigers, Miguel Cabrera's 297 average is nice, but he's only got two home runs to show for it this year. Nico Goodrum. Christian Stewart, Jameer Candelario, Grayson Griner, Jacoby Jones, all five of these guys hitting 210 or worse. I didn't even include Josh Harrison, who didn't play yesterday. Gordon Beckham's hitting a 241. Brandon Dixon might be the best hitter on the team right now. He's hitting 318. He's hit a couple home runs, and Nick Cassianos is hitting 270, but just not too many redeeming qualities here with the Detroit Tigers in general. I think that the Baltimore Orioles should be able to win this game convincingly. Currently in Wayne C mode on the Orioles price and the over. I think that the Orioles just hit Ryan Carpenter and that bad bullpen led by guys like Victor Alcantara and Zach Rennington really hard. So for that reason, I'm going to be playing both of these. I might look at an Orioles run line as well, so that's why I'm in Wayne C mode on that. I would like to be able to have the juice settle on the over of 9.5, but going to be on both of those. We move on to 919-920 on the betting rotation. The Boston Red Sox, playoffs of Cleveland Indians. Shane Bieber fever goes for the Indians and for the Boston Red Sox. You've got Ryan Weber. Total on this game is 9.5. Under is minus 115. The over is minus 105. If you're looking at the Cleveland Indians, plus price here is anywhere between plus 113 and plus 117. If you want to lay it here with the Boston Red Sox, anywhere between minus 123 and minus 127. Weber looked terrific in his first start of the year with the Boston Red Sox and in mop-up duty and relief as well. He's been good for this team. 1-0 record, 1-2-9 ERA, and 14 innings pitch, just one walk and one home run surrendered. That's great. With that said, he hasn't necessarily been going deep. And we do know with the Boston Red Sox, they've got a very good bullpen. You've got guys like Marcus Walden, Matt Barnes, a company that have stepped up. But the Cleveland Indians, I know that they had their woes in the bullpen on Memorial Day, but you still have guys like Kimber that do a good job, Nick Whitgren. We all know that Brad Hand is able to close out a game. And Shane Bieber, he gives up too much hard contact. 63 and two-thirds innings, he's given up 10 home runs, but he's got 79 punch-outs, really good swing and miss stuff. 311 ERA, 105 whip. He's been terrific. With the Cleveland Indians, bats have not really gotten online. Carlos Santana hitting 279, 9 home runs, 29 RBI. That's really been facing the team. I will say that Francisco Lindor is doing a good job with his average. He's been able to ignite the team, hitting right around to 270. He's been able to put up 7 home runs so far this year, but then you've got the guys that are really famine for this team. They've surprisingly been getting a little bit of production out of Oscar Mercado right now. He's hitting above 300. That's been a little bit of a fine, but here you go. Jose Ramirez, Jake Bowers, Greg Allen, Mike Freeman, Roberto Perez. 
Of these guys, only Mike Freeman is hitting above 225, and that's a 235. So not necessarily great there. You've got Jordan Luplo. He's got six home runs, a 245 average, but they're not doing much. But then for the Boston Red Sox, they are dealing with some guys that are struggling as well. Brock Holt, I know it's a very small sample size, only 10 at-bats, but he's only hitting 100. Steven Pierce, Jackie Bradley Jr., Eduardo Nunez, all these guys hitting below a 210. You've got Rafael Devers hitting a 325, which is nice. Mookie Betts has upped his average to a 293. And you've got J.D. Martinez back in the lineup. He has 11 home runs, a batting average above 300, and Xander Bogarts is hitting 285, but it's been a little bit of hit or miss with this team, and I do think that the Indians are going to get a much better start here out of Shane Bieber than they are out of than the Red Sox are out of Weber. I think that there's going to be a little bit of regression that sets in. So for that reason, I'm going to be backing the Cleveland Indians in this spot, and I'm going to be taking this total under. Currently in Wayne Seaman on both these, I'm noticing a little bit of steam coming in on the Indians and the over, so I'm right now trying to see if I'm able to get a little bit of a better price on both, but I'm going to be playing each of them. We move on to 921-922 on the betting rotation. It is the Toronto Blue Jays, and they are in Tampa Bay to face off against the Rays. Blake Snell goes for the Rays. Tyler Thornton goes for the Toronto Blue Jays. Total in this game is 7.5. The over is minus 110. The under is minus 110. If you want to lay it here with the Tampa Bay Rays, that's anywhere between minus 230 and minus 240. Plus price here with the Toronto Blue Jays, anywhere between $2 and plus $2.10. Blake Snell seems to be getting back to his normal self, but we do know that Blake Snell has certainly had some of his woes so far this year as well. This is a gentleman that lost twice to the Kansas City Royals earlier in the month. 3-4 record, 3.07 ERA. The 78 punch-outs in 55 and two-thirds innings is nice, but he's lent himself to a little bit of hard contact. 7 home runs, 15 walks as well. And with Trent Thornton, in 55 innings, he hasn't been awful. The 10 home runs given up is a little bit high, but he's got 60 strikeouts. The 25 Five walks, also high, but just a one-two-seven whip, four-four-two ERA. The Toronto Blue Jays are five and two in his last seven starts, and then with the Blue Jays, you're getting some bats that are starting to get online. Justin Spoke still just hitting at two twenty-four, but he's provided four home runs over the past seven days. He now has for the season eleven dingers. You've also got Vlad Guerrero Jr., who still needs to really find his way in the big leagues. He's not necessarily hitting for a great average at two thirty, but he's got five home runs. You do have some bats at the bottom of the lineup that are not getting the job done. Brandon Jury. Hitting below 220, Danny Jansen and whoever the heck else they sticking at the catcher spot, hitting below the Mendoza line, along with Jonathan Davis. But Lords Gurriel has actually been providing a big spark. Three home runs in the past week, now hitting 255. Rowdy to Les, nine dingers to go with his 241 average. And then Eric Sogard has really seen a dip in his average, but he's still hitting above 250 as well. He does a decent job of getting on base. And then for the Tampa Bay Rays, Austin Meadows has been terrific for the team so far this year. 11 home runs, hitting nearly 350. A VCO Garcia has his average right around to 290. He hit his 10th home run of the year yesterday. Tommy Pham is hitting 295. William Thomas has seen his average up to a 241. And then Kevin Kiermaier is right in that neighborhood as well. Guillermo Aredia, a little bit hit or miss. He's now hitting 270. And G-Man Joy right in that neighborhood as well. But then the catcher spot in general for the Tampa Bay Rays has also been an issue. Daniel Robertson hitting right around the Mendoza line. They've been dealing with some injuries in the infield. We know that the Tampa Bay Rays have had a terrific bullpen so far this year. And with the Toronto Blue Jays, Guys like Sam Gavilio and Danny Hudson and company have fallen back to earth a little bit, but I do like Ken Giles in a closeout spot, and I do think that the Blue Jays are going to be able to get to Blake Sell in this one. So I'm going to be playing the over, and I'm going to be playing the Blue Jays in Wayne C mode on both these numbers, but we're going to be riding both of them as we move on to 923-924 on the betting rotation. The Kansas City Royals are going to be on the road facing off against the Chicago White Sox. Ronaldo Lopez goes for the Chicago White Sox. For the Kansas City Royals, it is good old to be determined. I do not know much about him. He's a little bit of a mystery, but I hear he delivers good heat. And for that reason, this game is currently off the board. 
I have scoured Twitter very, very heavily. I'm currently seeing no indication of a Kansas City Royals starter, which means that I'm probably going to be riding the White Sox and the over here. We know with Ronaldo Lopez, he's not great. 59 and two-thirds innings, he's given up a He's given up 14 home runs and 27 walks. Whip of a 1-5-6-6-0-3 ERA. What we also know about the Kansas City Royals, their bullpen stinks. The guys that have come in, like Glenn Sparkman and company, I have no faith in them. I think that Sparkman might actually be a candidate to get the start here. If that's the case, I'm probably going to take the White Sox on the run line. And with both these teams, you got a couple guys that are doing a good job of mashing. Jorge Soler hitting 245, 12 home runs, 33 RBI. Hunter Dozier, double-digit amount of home runs. He's hitting above 300. We all know about the massive divide with the Kansas City Royals at this point with their lineup because you've got Whit Merrifield at the top lineup hitting nearly 298. Alberto Mondesi. Has over 40 RBI. He's in 285. Alex Gordon does a little bit of everything. 280 average. He's got nine home runs so far this year. But then you've got Ryan O'Hearn and Cam Gallagher, both hitting below the Mendoza line. Martin Maldonado hitting right around a 210. Billy Hamilton's hitting a 230. Just has not been going well for them. And then for the White Sox, you got like that. Lurie Garcia's back in the lineup. He's hitting 280 along with Yohan Mancata. Jose Abreu has 13 home runs. He's hitting nearly 260. We've got a couple guys that are needing to get up with the average. Jose Rendon, Yonder Alonso, Wellington Castillo, Eloy Jimenez, and Omar Sanchez all hitting at 232 or worse. And the only one that's hitting above 215 is Sanchez. But you got Charlie Tilson, who's hitting above 300 himself, and Josh McCann at the catcher spot, 330. Average, he's been providing some power as well. So I like what I've seen there. And with the White Sox, you've got by far the better rope on. You've got guys like Carson Fulmer. I know that just. I know that Osich has been a little bit of a issue out there in the bullpen along with Kelvin Herrera, but if you've got Colome at the back end of games, that's able to do a good job. And Chase Fry has picked it up as well. So for that reason, looking at the White Sox in some form of capacity and an over here, but as always, check back in the morning on my Twitter feed at GNRSquare81 for set plays there. 9.25, 9.26 on the batting rotation. The San Diego Padres are in New York to face off against the Yankees. James Paxson goes for the Yankees. Chris Paddock for the Padres. Total on this game is 8.5. Under is minus 115. The over is minus 105. If you're looking at the Padres, going to be getting a plus price here. Anywhere between plus 123 and plus 128. If you want to lay it here with the Yankees, anywhere between minus 135 and minus 138. It's a little bit befuddling to me that there's still no respect for Chris Paddock. This guy has been absolutely terrific. I know that James Paxson, before he went on the injured list, was very good, and we all know about this Yankees bullpen. You've got guys like Roldis Chapman, Zach Britton, Tommy Canely, Adam Adovino and company that are all dealing for the team, but James Paxson... Nice pitcher so far this year. 37 and two-thirds innings. He's given up three home runs, 13 walks, 3-1-1 ERA, 1-1-9 whip. But you look at Chris Paddock, a guy that's not coming off the injured list. 4-2 and two record, 193 ERA, 76 whip, 0.76. I know that he did have his start skipped a few days ago against the Toronto Blue Jays, but you got to think that was more precautionary than anything else. 56 punch-outs and 51 and a third innings. Four home runs so far this year. He has only issued 11 walks as well. And then you take a look at the San Diego Padres. You've got a guy that's really doing a great job in Femmeo Reyes. 253 average, 15 home runs, 27 RBI. He has been terrific. Eric Cosmer, 296 average. He's got 30 home runs himself. The San Diego Padres team has really found it with the bats. They had a couple rough days out there with the Toronto Blue Jays, but then they also had that big day where they were able to put up 19 runs as well. Greg Garcia at the top of the lineup has an OBP right around a 370. You've also got Manny Machado who's hitting 270. 
longevity, hasn't necessarily been providing a lot of power, has been a little bit inconsistent, but then you've got Hunter Renfro, double-digit amount of home runs, he's hitting 250. Will Myers only has his average at a 230, but he now has 10 home runs as well. Manuel Margot and Ty Francie to pick it up along with Austin Hedges, but then you take a look at the New York Yankees, we all know what they're dealing with. Aaron Hicks has gotten his average above the Mendoza line, and Clint Frazier and also Brett Gardner have been upping their averages recently. Thario Estrada is hitting above 300. Glaber Torres, 285 average. You've got Gary Sanchez and Luke Voigt who have a combined 30 home runs to DJ LeMay, who's hitting 311. But I do think that Chris Paddock is going to be able to tame them. And then what you know about the Padres is that Craig Stamen and Kirby Yates, one of the best one-two combos out there in the eighth and ninth innings as well. So I think that the San Diego Padres are going to be able to get the win in this spot. And I think it's going to be a lower scoring game. So I'm going to be on the San Diego Padres and the under in this spot, just in Wayne Simo to see what numbers I'm going to get in particular. And we wrap things up with 927, 928 on the bang rotation. You've got the Chicago White Sox on the road facing off against the Houston Astros. Wade Miley is having a party in the USA and he's going to be going for the Astros. Kyle Hendricks goes for the Chicago Cubs. Total on this game is 9.5. The under comes with juice of anywhere between minus 115 and minus 120. Over between even and minus 105. If you're looking at the Chicago Cubs, going to get a little bit of a plus price here. Anywhere between plus 105 and plus 113. If you want to lay it here with the Houston Astros, that is anywhere between minus 115 and minus 125. And I do want to lay it here with the Houston Astros. You got two of the best soft-tossing starting pitchers out there in the big leagues. Neither of these guys are going to be putting on a clinic in regards to throwing fastballs, but I really do like what I've seen out of Wade Miley so far this year. He was effective with the Brewers last year. He continues to be undervalued. 5-2 and two record, 3-3-2 ERA, 61 and a third innings. He's only got 45 punch outs, but he's only given up 9 home runs and 15 walks. Hendricks on the other end, 3-3-4 ERA, 1-1-8 whip, 4-4 four four record, 62 innings. He's given up 6 home runs and 12 walks with 54 punch outs. So these guys are very, very similar. Both these bullpens, I would say, are actually pretty good. I feel like the Cubs get a bad rap for their bullpen because Carl Edwards Jr. has his ERA so high, but ever since he's come off the injured list, he's been good. Brad Brock has been solid. Then you take a look at the Houston Astros. Chris Savinsky leaves a little bit of something to be desired, and Ozuna hasn't been doing great recently, but you still got guys like Josh James and company that are just straight-up flames. Now we do know that for the Houston Astros, they're going to be without George Springer. 308 average, 17 home runs, 43 RBI. That's obviously going to be missed, but you've got a lineup that is absolutely stacked still because Alex Bregman has 15 home runs so far this year. Now, he's only hitting right around 260, but you'll start certainly still take that. They are dealing with a couple of injuries as well. That is why we've seen Derek Fisher, no, not the former NBA player, be able to get some at-bats as well, but he's hitting 333. Tyler White only hitting a 225 has been a little bit tough. Mayfield at the shortstop spot is hitting 220, and Tyler Kemp is hitting 224, but Jake Marizek still doing a solid job. He's hitting right around 270. He's got some pop. You've got Robinson Chirinos, a guy that hits right around 250, and Michael Brantley has been incredible for this team, hitting 320. He's provided 10 home runs himself. He's been terrific. Then you take a look at the Chicago Cubs. You've got some struggling bats out there as well. Daniel Descalso all of a sudden is hitting below the Mendoza line. Jason Hayward after his hot start to the year, hitting right around 240. Wilson Contreras and Javi Baez both hitting above 300, and both these gentlemen have provided 12-plus home runs. That's obviously good. You know that Anthony Rizzo is going to be there. Average just below 315 home runs, but Kyle Schwarber only hitting 218. You've got David Bo 
Cody, who's hitting at 270. Edison Russell has picked it up as well. He now has four home runs, and he's hitting above 300, but it's still a very small sample size there. And I do think that the Houston Astros are just going to get a little bit of better pitching here in a game that's not going to see as much offense as the bookmakers think. So in wait and see mode on the under and the Astros, but I'm going to be playing both of those. And that will wrap things up for the Wednesday edition of MLB Overtime Betting. I would like to thank our man, Hakeem Profit, out there with SBR Sportsbook Review for joining me in the last segment. And if you like what you're hearing from the Spine Podcast, you can subscribe on Apple iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and Stitcher. If you ever have a question for the podcast, feel free to tweet it in at GDNRSquare.1. And let's make today a successful, profitable, and fun one. I'll talk to you guys once again tomorrow. Thank you so much for tuning in.